You're listening to the Knowing Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Linnell Peters, and it's an honor to walk alongside you in motherhood, whether the journey is just beginning or you're right in the thick of it. I believe that your worth as a mother is not based on your performance and that your greatest strength is the love that you have for your children, whether they're in your arms or only in your heart. My prayer is that this little corner of the podcast world will leave you feeling more equipped, more hopeful, and less alone than when you arrived. Hey everyone, it's nice to be back with you again today. Um, This is episode 38 of Knowing Motherhood, and I don't know why, but I'm really excited to hit 40 episodes. I mean, 50 will be fun too, but um, I don't know. It just feels like, it feels like at this point... I would have expected to have so many more and yet just in my trusting God with the scheduling of our life and the um, my ability to uh, create the content to to get it out into the world through this platform um, it just I have a lot of peace about the numbers being so so much lower than I expected at this point Um, and so I feel like all these little milestones these little things they're just I don't know I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm just really grateful. So episode 38 um, is is a special one. Um, it's always a joy and an honor for me to talk with other women, especially mothers who have walked the road of mental illness and they've come through to the healing side of their own journey and they're willing to share in order to see other women find healing as well. Um, the topic of mental illness, it's still a difficult one for many to discuss and while I understand many of the whys I also know that the hesitancy in social circles to discuss mental health is often what causes so many women especially mothers to stay silent the fear of what others may think can feel so overwhelming and often really scary and the preceding isolation that uh, you know that can happen can cause the symptoms to just grow worse, which heaps on shame and guilt, and it's just not a healthy situation. So I'm really happy uh, to be joined today by Krista Green. Um, she is a new online friend and fellow mother. Um, she's the founder and content creator at Zone 3 Vegetable Gardening, and she and I connected be uh, largely due to um, that shared passion. Um, she's a homesteading wife and mother of three, as I mentioned, and also she's a paramedic who has experienced PTSD, which is, if you're not familiar, post-traumatic stress disorder as the result of the incredibly important work that she does. In this episode, we discuss the signs and the symptoms of workplace-related trauma, the pain of mothering with this disorder, and the pain, or the path rather, to healing from it. This is the first time that Krista is opening up fully about her journey, and I feel like she did such an amazing job of giving us a clear breakdown of her symptoms And I truly know that this episode is going to help you to offer more understanding to others and maybe even find healing in your own trauma experience. So let's listen in together as I talk with Krista Green about uh, trauma and PTSD and motherhood. Hi, Krista. Welcome to Knowing Motherhood. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, this is, uh, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, but we've had a few 
reschedulings and stuff. And then we just had a really fun half an hour of trying to actually get our sound to work. So praise God we're, <laughs> we're doing yes. this. Yeah. I'm so happy it is working now. And yeah, to be here to chat with you today. Yeah. Okay. So let's just for the listeners, let's go back. How did we connect? I believe that a friend of mine, um, who's a fellow gardener, had sent me your Instagram account and um, about just a link for one of your posts. Um, and then that's just that's how we got connected. And um, I saw some of the stuff you were sharing, and I loved it. And you were obviously in the same uh, gardening zone as me. So mm -hmm. that was awesome. Um, and yeah, and then I had reached out and connected with you that way. But for those who are listening, um, who don't know who you are, um, can you share a little bit about yourself and, and what you do and blessings sure. and all of that? Yeah. So I'm Krista Green and I love to garden. I love to try and grow food for my family. We moved to an acreage about six years ago now. And my first year growing a vegetable garden here was kind of a flop. And that led me to looking for, um, other, Alberta gardeners, other zone three gardeners, people that I could learn from and get good information from. And I found there wasn't a lot. So that is, as I've had to, to learn, and it sometimes has been hard to find that good information, but, um, partly through my Instagram and as I started sharing on social media and on my website, zone three vegetable gardening, I've come in contact with lots of other Alberta gardeners that I've been able to ask questions to. And, you know, through my experience of gardening, I just really try and share all those little tips that I find here and there, all those things that I learn to hopefully make growing food for their family easier for lots of other people in this same um, kind of cold weather, harsh growing conditions. Yeah, I love that. And we need it so badly. I think that's why I was so glad to find your account because we we just, we do face different climate, um, you know, our different temperatures and growing conditions and they can be challenging and it just, we have a shorter growing season and all of these mm -hmm. things. And so, yeah, I was definitely grateful um, for what you offer in your space. Um I would love to know a little bit more about um, your passion for um, this, for your family. Why is, is this something that matters so much to you for your family? What are the benefits of gardening? Yeah, so I grew up, I'm the middle of seven kids. I was homeschooled. We aren't homeschooling our kids, but um, I love, I loved being homeschooled. It was a very good experience. Um, and my mom was always somebody who really tried to feed us as healthy as possible. We always had a vegetable garden. She did things like made bread and ground grain. And I very much admired that, um, just caring for us in that way and feel God's blessing on our family and our health because of that. And I want to be able to do the same for my kids is part of it. And then the other part is I love gardening. I have, I didn't really talk much about myself. So I have three kids. They are ages seven, 10, and 12 right now. And my husband. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more 
about the personal side of things as well today, not just gardening. So I've been in emergency services since 2005. I started volunteering on a fire department is kind of how I started into emergency services and met my husband. He was actually working on the ambulance at that time. And now then for a while I was full-time EMS as an EMT or a primary care paramedic as they changed the name of it. And my husband is a full-time firefighter. So we are on four acres here. We have chickens and ducks, some dogs, a cat. I would love to have more animals, but we don't have fencing up right now. And that's expensive. But anyways, yeah. (laughs) So the the whole like homestead lifestyle, I I very much love that. And Mm. just want to, as much as life gets crazy busy, um, I want home to be a good place, a place where we don't need to escape from. You know, some people I feel like they need to go on vacations to escape. And I think, what is it that we create these lives that we have to escape from. How can I create a life that, not that vacations are bad, but that coming home to our home can give us a place of rest and peace? So yeah, I don't know. That kind of went above and beyond your question, but yeah, those are some of the values and purposes. I love that so much. There was a phrase that I heard a few years back called um, create create a, a life that you don't want a vacation from. And it was a bit of a a Mm -hmm. worldly phrase, but I loved it because it resonated with me. And I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, I want to create a home that, um, that we don't feel the need to get away from. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that that's, that's a godly calling upon our lives. And I think when we honor the Lord, when we, when we seek to create beautiful spaces in our homes and create tasks and experiences for our children that are life-giving and just provide knowledge and understanding, you know, the simple things in life. And so that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. I totally relate to that. Um, And um, yeah, like you said, um, you're going to be sharing some of your story today about working as a, um, so it's not EMT anymore? It's called a primary care paramedic. And then, so it used to be EMT and paramedic in Alberta. And now, um, partly because a lot of different parts in the world, the States and Ontario, I believe they do primary care paramedic is what an EMT was and an advanced care paramedic is what a paramedic is. So now across the board, we're just called paramedics to to possibly simplify things. Although sometimes when I explain (laughs) it, I think I complicate it. I know. No, (laughs) no, it's fine. Um, And it's, uh, yeah, you know, um, you have an incredibly important job. I mean, you've got three really important jobs. You are a mother, you are a paramedic, um, and you grow your family's food and, you know, care for your family in that way as well. And those are all um, great undertakings and and beautiful ones. Um, But tell me a little bit about what drew you to this this job of becoming a paramedic. Um, Have you always had a desire to um, help others? And what does the role of paramedic look like in, in, um, for you personally? What are your tasks Um, in that? Yeah. So I guess as far as what drew me to it, I have always enjoyed biology and, um, 
medicine to some degree. I used to want to be a vet when I was younger. Mm. With seven kids, my parents weren't going to be paying my way through all of school. So when I looked at how much that would cost, that made me maybe think about scaling back, which I think is God's hand in guiding my life at the same time. I'm glad I am where I am. Um, I just work a 0.5 position right now. So that averages to about 21 hours a week, which works with the three kids. It is steady. Um, and yeah, sorry. What was the other half of that question? <laughs> what were some of your tasks? Some of your some tasks, of my tasks that are included. Uh, yeah. It's just for okay. those who, I mean, I think we all know what a paramedic is, but I'm thinking more along the lines, just want to, what are some of the more specific things that you encounter in being a paramedic? Okay. So, um, tasks definitely vary facing emergencies, as you can imagine, of yeah. all different, all different kinds, which is part of why I love the job because instead of going to work and knowing exactly what I'm doing that day, I get to go to work and never have any idea what I'm going to do that that day. And mm. I actually like that adventure kind of part of the job. Um, so yeah, I get to meet a lot of different people and talk to a lot of different people. Um, sometimes it, I have had some calls that were difficult. One question you should never ask somebody who works in probably medicine of any sort or emergency services is what is your worst call? Uh, sometimes we do kid tours and they ask us that and you just think that is so inappropriate to share about. And um, mm. something that most of us do not want to talk about. Uh, those do become, you know, sometimes you have traumas, personal, uh, a lot of emotions around that. And yeah. it'd be like going up to anybody else. What's the, you know, most terrible day of your life? It's like, mm, I really don't want to talk about that. So, yeah, um, yes. yeah, but then sometimes there's calls that you might, might seem, you know, just because somebody dies, I've realized it doesn't have to be sad and devastating. It can be a beautiful thing, especially if we know the Lord and we're going to heaven, um, when, you know, it's somebody who's older and it seems like they've had a really good life and they're surrounded by loving family. Sometimes they get to be at home for that last day. I always mm. feel like there can be so many good things. Yes, there's sadness when we say goodbye to loved ones, but, um, you know, we do, of course, deal with death and that doesn't always have to be devastating. It is a part of life and yeah. each of our days are numbered. And God knows when that time is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, it's, it's nice to hear that perspective and, and hear how much you love what you do because you've battled PTSD as a result of this job. And I think that the numbers are probably quite high for people in your position um, because you are faced with situations that you may not be expecting that are very traumatic. Um, and you've had to walk through going through post-traumatic stress disorder with, as a mom with three young children. And it was something that you didn't see coming. So um could you just share a little bit about what that experience looked like for you, this this journey, and what led up to that? Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah. So for me, there was a call, um, probably about seven years ago. And, uh, I do have permission, uh, from the family to share a tiny bit about this call. So I will mention that it was, um, a friend of mine. It was her daughter. We went to this call. Um, and it, it was, she ended up dying and, uh, it was a long call. It was probably the whole call was about three hours. So for me, that call in particular was very, very traumatic. I, I cried a lot after that call. I tried to step things away. It was a time where I was, I think I was like eight weeks pregnant with my, um, third baby. I had miscarried my first at eight weeks. Um, part of with my PTSD was looking back at that timeline of that event. Mm-hmm. And when I pulled up our calendar of that year and kind of looked at the timeline, I saw that my life, I was working full time at the time and my life was so jam packed full. And with little ones, I think our other kids were three and four or two and three or something. And so the pain and the trauma of that call at that time, I just stuffed it away. Like my next set of days off, we, I think we're going camping for all of them. So as a mom, you know, that's, you know, there's a lot to do around that. And then I went back to work for my four 12 hour shifts. And then our next days off were jam packed full. And anyway, so that, that call in particular was very traumatic for me. And now looking back, I can see, um, that I did have some PTSD symptoms after that call. And I do think it's important to talk about some of those symptoms because I wonder, how did I not recognize it? And in a way, I think maybe I did recognize it, but I wasn't willing to acknowledge it. And you just hope that because it was a work, it was working to stuff things away. And you just hope that you can keep doing that. Um, but I got to a point where I couldn't. Um, so yeah, for me, one of the things I've learned is if you have a lot of intrusive thoughts about an event and intrusive thoughts are when you don't want to be remembering this all the time, but it pops into your head all the time. And when you do remember it, it's emotional and draining and hard to remember. That is kind of a very basic, simple uh, I think a lot of us probably have um, P- PTSD to different extents. Um, that post-traumatic stress from a, a really stressful, traumatic event in our lives, you know, it, PTSD can, can vary very widely to mm-hmm. how bad it is and how much it affects us. Um, so yeah, I had that. I would just like sob, sometimes lying flat out on the floor, just sobbing, just remembering this call and just the heartache of what I went through. Um, One of the things that I only found out as I was going through some of my PTSD therapy was that there was a debriefing after that call that my brain completely blocked out. So looking back, (laughs) I mean, how do you know your brain blocked something unless you start digging and find out about things? Mm. But um, Yeah. yeah, when when our brains do go to that place where they block out pieces of an event um, that can be a symptom thankfully I didn't have nightmares I feel like God has protected me from really bad nightmares I have had some kind of nightmares here and there but they're generally not like 
uh, total reliving of the traumatic events. They are sometimes related to them, but not having to relive it in nightmares. Um, not sleeping well, you know, that insomnia, waking up at night and just being wide awake for hours. And then those, those calls would be coming to mind. So I don't know if that's what was waking me up or not, um, affecting me in that way. And then I went through a period, probably, uh, two years before I went off work, I think, where, and it lasted for about three months where I was so exhausted all the time and I just could not stay awake. I didn't nap after my babies were born. Everybody says nap when they nap. Um, I don't really sleep after night shifts very much or very well. I'm just not a day sleeper. But during this three-month period, I sometimes was having like three or four naps a day. I just was so exhausted. So I went to my doctor. We ran all my blood work. We checked everything else. We couldn't find anything. Now looking back, I, I, I remember and I know I was remembering this one call and crying about it all the time. And I just thought it's because I was tired and emotional that I was doing this. And now I see that, no, that call was, even though it was like three years after, it was affecting me so much that it was making me exhausted. That is how our body responds sometimes to trauma. Anyways, those are some of the, those are some of the things that kind of led up. Yeah. To the time when I went off work. As someone who's also walked through PTSD and trauma, um, I I relate and I understand. I think you shared that so well, um, just the physiological, the psychological. Um, I think a lot of people who have not walked through PTSD um, or trauma, um, they don't understand those little pieces of like what's going on in the brain. But I think you mm-hmm. shared that so, so well. And I... I know that it's important for us to have an understanding of what's going on in the brain in order to start to heal. Of mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh, more for some than others. I know, but for me, having a solid understanding of what why my brain was doing what it was doing and, and all of that, I, mm-hmm. I, it really did contribute to my healing journey. But I think... Before you were able to start healing, there were some really difficult things, especially in your motherhood um, that you shared with me previous um, that were really difficult. And I think that have really brought a lot of uh, emotional pain to your heart. Can you talk a little bit about the difficulties in parenting and and what that's looked like for you um, just as a mother? Yeah, I would love to, especially just to bring awareness to it. It is like, even as you talk about it, tears come to my eyes and it just breaks my heart. And I just have to trust God because I, I feel like I failed my kids in some ways through it. It's just painful to remember where I was. So, um, I had another traumatic call when I was at work. And it was one that it just, um, in some ways I felt like this was happening to my own kids. There was some, triggers there that that just made me it made it personal even though I didn't know the people on the call um anyways after that call I um I had I don't know if you maybe call it a breakdown or what but uh the all the PTSD symptoms kind of hit me really really hard and one of them was that every time I got in a car because this last call it had been a vehicle accident 
but tears would just run down my face. Uh, I wouldn't even feel like I was crying, but tears would just come out of my eyes. And this would happen randomly throughout the day. And then as a mother with my kids, I started, every time my kids would touch me, I would just want to scream, which is a really, really awful way to feel about your kids. Mm, And um, I don't, I do know that that can be part of PTSD. Um, Mm -hmm. As you Mm -hmm. said, when you understand more about it, it is helpful. Uh, That in particular, I, I don't know the exact reasoning, but maybe just the overstimulation of the body, because your body does start to release tons of cortisol, and sometimes adrenaline, as in, you know, if you were running from a bear, you are in that state all the time, every day, your, your heart can be pounding often. And those, those, that mental state, you know, of not being able to focus on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, If you Mm -hmm. were in a state where you were afraid for your life, and your kids all of a sudden are trying to cuddle you, you can imagine that you'd kind of be like, not right now. And um, one of the first things that happened, I think, is I just could not tuck our kids in bed. And I'd always, every night, tuck them in bed. And I didn't know why, but I told my husband, I can't. I I want to freak out. Like, I panic. I almost would have a panic attack just trying to lay beside them to tuck them in because they would touch me and they would need me. And, um, and then I started... Uh, I did, again, I didn't understand what was happening at the time. Um, I did go off work because, uh, I, yeah, I recognized, okay, something's, something's wrong. I need, I need some help here to try and get better. But, um, when I would hug my kids even, I wouldn't feel that feeling of love and wanting to just continue hugging them. I more would feel panicked and feel like, I think it was partly feeling like, I don't know if I have anything to give them. I can't even, I don't know if I can survive today. And my kids need me and I don't feel like I have anything. And kids do, they they do need their parents. And um, that's a beautiful thing. But when you're in that PTSD state, um, I just have such a new sympathy for moms who are struggling mentally because honestly, Lanell, before all this happened to me, I would sometimes judge moms that, you know, couldn't wait till their kids went back to school, they would say, or didn't seem to want to be around their kids. And I would judge them and think, how could you, how could you feel like that towards your own kids? And then God brought me to this place where it was hard for me to be around my kids. And I remember praying almost every day, God, please let somebody phone and offer to take my kids today or invite them over. Um, and yeah, that breaks my heart. I knew Thankfully, my parents had taught me that love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It can be a feeling, but it's also a choice. And I understand that possibly some languages have different words for those types of love. But knowing that love is also a choice. So when I wasn't having that oxytocin release in the body, where I would feel that hormone of loving my kids so much, I knew, I I know I love them and I would still die for them. And I will get do everything in my power to get better for them. Um, yeah, and then I guess the other part is, I mean, we all get frustrated with our kids and sometimes overreact or react har- more harshly than we want to. But that was happening every day. I was, you know, freaking out and yelling about things that normally I never do. And it was really 
really hard to be that person. Uh, PTSD brought me to a place where I felt like everything that was who I was, who, you know, who I am, my identity, like God stripped it all away except for my faith. <laughs> and thankfully my husband in marriage. So I can't say everything, but things like, you know, I'm a really good mom. I'm a really loving mom. Um, I keep my house decently. I do the laundry. I do our scheduling. Um, I'm a kind patient. I'm a good friend. I'm a patient patient, patient person. All mm-hmm. those things were no longer. And so when I looked at who I was during that time, I remember one time thinking, I, I hate this person. Like this person that I am, I despise them. This is everything. You know, I'm super impatient. I'm not loving. I'm not a good friend. I'm not a good sister. I'm not a good wife. Feeling those things. And it's very humbling. Again, I had my faith in God and just trusting that God, please, please bring me through this valley of this shadow that's over me. Uh, all that's left is, you know, my faith in you pretty much to carry me through. And looking back, I really do see his grace and the people that he did place around me to support me through it. And, you know, uh, Lanelle, I think some people, when they go through really harsh PTSD, um, sometimes, you know, the outcome isn't the same. I feel like today I am in such a better place. And I think that's by the grace of God, you know, mm-hmm. being willing to continue to just trust him that there would be a good purpose in it through it. And now that I have come through it, yeah, I'm so thankful that I hope, I hope I can encourage other people who are going through hard things. And I see how God grew me and how, um, now I just, I have so many more tools to help other people who are struggling emotionally and mentally. And yeah, even in my line of work, I feel like I'm able to reach out and help coworkers and I can help patients at a much more deeper level maybe than I did before. I love everything that you just shared. I am just so grateful for it. I know that it's um, so needed for so many women to hear stories like this and understand that they are not alone in their struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, I relate so much to things that you are saying. Um, just a, just the heartache Um and in my own going through postpartum mental illness, I experienced the same feelings of grief because suddenly I realized I'm not who I have known myself to be. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Where did I go? And I understand exactly what you're saying about this being stripped down every part of who you thought you were. And all, it's just you're, you just have God mm-hmm. to carry you through. And there are days you didn't, I didn't feel like I was going to survive the day. And I, I just, I hear your heart and I, I know how real this is. And, and it just, it made me think about how important it is that we connect not on a flaky level, but on a real rich and deep level in, in like getting into other people's lives And saying to moms, especially moms with children under five, how are you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. not just how are you doing, but like, how are you really doing? 
-hmm. We have to ask that question because some women, and I know this was true for me, like you, you had to dig pretty deep before I'd actually tell you I was struggling in motherhood. You had to dig deep. And I, I just hear your heart when you say that, like you see that God was faithful to do a good work in you through such harsh suffering. And that he provided what you needed to get you through it. And now on the other side of it, you are a person who has greater empathy and understanding for other women. And that you are willing to use this hard experience to to reach other women with your story and your testimony. I think it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful that you shared that with us today. Tell me a little bit more. I think I'm going to go off script a little bit here because I I actually was just writing some notes as you were talking because there's a a key theme here that stands out to me with your story and also with my own. And that is, there's a few things here. And I want to ask you a really honest question if you're comfortable answering. But if uh, someone came to you who was in the same line of work as a paramedic and she's got little, little babies... Um, at home, would you recommend that she continues on in this field of work? And I'm I'm not saying you have the authority to tell (laughs) someone what to do, but I'm saying if a friend came to you and said, given what you've gone through, Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now, would you recommend it or would you say maybe hold off for a couple of years? I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I wouldn't, um, I I wouldn't not recommend it. Uh, same with, you know, if one of my kids wanted to go into the line of work, understanding that there can be emotional trauma with the line of work. Yes. I, I really think we need to give that to God. Going back to work, um, and as a parent, um, I just, I've recognized trauma doesn't just come from being a first responder. You know, many of us, face trauma in different ways. Sometimes, you know, there a lot of people have childhood trauma. Um, and I have realized that my greatest growth in my faith has come through the hardest times. And if I live a life trying to avoid hard times, um, that's, that's possibly also avoiding growth in my faith. And so, if, you know, if it is a young mom and she has kids and, you know, choosing this line of work that may come with trauma, instead of saying, choose a different line of work, because to say that trauma, some amounts of trauma, you know, our parents dying, that could be traumatic, minor, thankfully still alive, but there's parts of life that are traumatic. And more than avoiding it, I think is trusting God and just asking God, is this where you want me? And, um, yeah, how much, how many hours a week do you want me to work? Um, and just trusting that wherever he leads us, he, it probably will be hard sometimes because when we look through scripture and we look at the people through scripture, a lot of them suffered, you know, he doesn't, Mm -hmm. the Bible Mm -hmm. doesn't say life's going to be good and easy, but there's blessings with that. Like they're, there really truly is. It's scary to go through hard things, but coming through the other side to be able to see the blessings that came along with that. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't think trying to 
live a life of complete avoidance and and yeah to choose a a safer emotionally line of work i don't know yeah yep no i love your answer i love your answer and i think you are so right that that avoidance can cause more fear in our lives and keep us from doing the things that God has called us to. It's a beautiful answer. So honest. Thank you for that. And then kind of to take on to that, um, did you feel that the counseling protocols, like the debriefing, did you feel like that was thorough enough? Um, I'm curious about that because um, you mentioned that you you felt like you kind of zoned right out. Um, you kind of blocked things out right away. Um, do you think that that process could be done better to help you know someone like yourself to have uh, been faced maybe more quickly with with the possible repercussions of that trauma uh yeah that's a big question so the debriefings that we normally do i would say every other debriefing i've attended has probably been helpful and has been really good I didn't understand before this call and recognizing I blocked out an entire debriefing. I didn't understand that if an incident is really traumatic, um, at like kind of the next level trauma. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that your body is having a response, like for me, even today, you know, as I remember these calls and that time, I kind of, I can feel my heart racing. I can feel that I'm getting shaky and, and some of those, uh, physiological body responses to trauma. So if your body is in a super heightened, you know, the cortisol, that stress state, um, I think understanding that debriefings aren't good for those calls and for those instances, like maybe just to talk about, I, you know, I think one of the worst traumas would be your own child dying. And if that happened to two or three days later, be like, let's sit around and talk about this. You're not ready. And so it's, it depends on the extent of the trauma and how traumatic that was to you. And if it is really, really traumatic, you need to give yourself grace and more time to process before you're ready to talk about, um, Self-care is something I also didn't understand before going through PTSD. I knew the Bible talks about us being a servant. And um, now looking at scripture and just seeing how Jesus would go to the garden to pray and he would go off to be alone and understanding that we are also supposed to take times of rest and quiet and thinking of some 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I think sometimes God tries to make us be still and we try and keep doing and doing and going and going and to our detriment. Yeah. So yeah, just recognizing when to slow down and, and if there is a traumatic event, um, I could, I could talk about, I don't know how much time we have, but those things, those self care things, those things that, can be helpful to process it, to work through yeah, it. Yeah, and I was going to, uh, yes, and let's let's talk about that because I wanted to mention, so there's one really important thing here, and you mentioned this as well, and it actually is what um, caused me to ask you the question about would you recommend this to a mom with young children, but one of the factors here is a lack of sleep mm-hmm. um, and the hormonal Uh, changes in early pregnancy for you, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. of physiological things that are that will affect 
the health of the mind and the body um, to be able to have the ability to tolerate um, high stress and trauma. Um, so please do share a little bit more of what that, that healthy self-care looks like, for um, especially for young moms. Okay. And yeah, hopefully they will be helpful. I have actually some slides that I wanted to post on Instagram on what self-care is. And this reminds me, I should actually make that post. Yes, you should. Yeah. Yeah. And let me know when you do. (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that I have realized about self-care is it doesn't have to be a big thing like, oh, a weekend at the spa, that's my self-care. One of the most simple things about self-care that felt like it was like a light bulb moment for me that my mom told me, go to the bathroom when you need to. Like as mothers, sometimes we will hold our bladder and maybe you can relate to this for hours because we're busy with our kids and, you know, we're taking (laughs) care of toddlers. And like, why do we do that to ourselves? We don't need to, you know, so giving yourself permission, you know, when I need to go to the bathroom, I'm going to, my kids are going to be okay for a moment and... I'm going to take that time and make that a priority. And I'm not going to put myself through that. I mean, it's not great amounts of pain. But again, why do we do that? It just, yes. I think, heightens that stress level in the day a little bit when we're continually I, doing that. Can I tag on something to that thought? I For sure. I remember years ago seeing um, somebody, was, uh, there was a joke, you know, just social media. And there was a, these moms like talking about how their kids come in the bathroom with them when they go when they have to use the bathroom and they'll like I mean and I don't know how serious this was but I remember thinking to myself make space for yourself you need Mm -hmm. to your children do not own you Mm -hmm. your children do not have a right to press in on private spaces like the bathroom with you you're Mm -hmm. if your toddler is crying at the bathroom door there's nothing you can do about it but it is okay to lock that door and give yourself some time um but then again we have to be able to self-regulate because we might start feeling frustrated but you're right it is something that seems so simple but I think that there's boundaries that are overstepped when moms don't take the time to give themselves that space. So mm-hmm. I I love that you mentioned something as simple as just go to the bathroom when you need to and don't worry yeah. about everything else. Yeah. yeah. And I will, I also just want to say about like letting the kids in the bathroom, because I'm, I'm sure you probably feel the same, that if it's more peaceful for you to allow the kids in with you, that do what's peaceful for you and do what works for you, right? Sure. Like we're not sure. saying it wasn't for me. So, but yeah, yeah if it I know, is and I don't think you're saying like sure. don't bring your kids in the bathroom. But I'm yep. the same way. I need more space. That's what's more peaceful for right. me. So, um, it, besides when I was potty training, then I did try and bring the kids in and be like, "See, mom goes to the bathroom. <laughs> this is what <laughs> right. what happens." But yeah, yeah. if it's if you need that space, it's definitely okay to set boundaries with kids, even little kids, even mm-hmm. before they can speak and just teach them by shutting the door. And, sure. But it does create a stressful environment when they're screaming outside the door. It's, That's true. Yeah. That's a good but, point. Yes. So simple self-care things, um, drinking water, eating, um, you know, trying to get to bed at night. Um, for me, maybe it's one of those a little bit bigger self-care things. Water has always been, my mom said I was a water baby. I love the water. I was thankful I was able to do a water birth. It very much relaxes me. And so to have a bath, um, I used to, one of the things during my, you know, really hard, tough PTSD days, 
I've had three baths in one day. <laughs> and this, wow. this is weird. I never would have thought of this before, but I had one of my therapists, you know, she talked about what helps you and baths are one of the things that regulate me. They slow me down. The kids don't come in the bathroom when I'm having a bath, although sometimes they are yelling outside the door. Um, but when I was doing those really tough, um, psychological, like reliving the events and, it just was really hard to, to bring myself back down from a super heightened, uh, emotional state. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just a blow up with kids and I would be like, okay, I'm gonna go have a bath. And before bed, because I was having a lot of trouble with sleep, I would have a bath. So some of those things that you might think, well, that's a waste of water. Um, you know, uh, well, you don't need three baths a day. No, but can we afford? the the water and to heat the water yes we can and you know is that better than having um freakouts and meltdowns and and not healing you know yeah, rather than right. having to medicate yourself in other forms to use water right. as a medication right. yeah and then yeah some of the bigger um self-care uh, thankfully, I found a Christian psychologist who has been so helpful. She's a mom of two girls, kind of similar ages to me. Mm. So I, God brought her into my life and she has a very strong faith. We pray together sometimes. And, um, she's somebody who's just really encouraged and supported me. Um, you know, if I am exhausted, I used to really still try and cook those healthy meals. I don't do that anymore. I have learned that if I recognize, okay, this was super stressful in my day. This is really stressful. I'm, you know, I'm at a level where I'm not doing great. I'm going to ask if I have to order pizza, that's fine. Um, screen time is something I've always tried to limit with the kids. And I've learned that there's a survival mode and there's a thriving mode. And if it's a survival day, it's okay if they have extra screen time and I take extra time for myself to be alone. That's better than blowing up at my kids. Um, and I did also want to touch on, so if things I've learned, and hopefully this is nothing that we're using every day, but if you do face a really traumatic event in your life, um, knowing what things will help you. So some of the things that have been really, really helpful, and since I've been back at work and I have had some calls that trigger those past traumas, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when your body does release a lot of cortisol, and um, adrenaline when you face that traumatic event that cortisol is meant to again the fight or flight to run from the bear you yeah. are meant to physically release that and when we don't have a physical release it stores in our body for more days up to three days it takes for the body to process all the cortisol that can be released in a traumatic event so if you can do some jumping jacks some push-ups anything physical that helps your body burn off the those um, hormones that are released in during that traumatic event. That mm. can help you process it better and uh, bring your emotions back to a more normal state. Um, again, the survival mode. So I mentioned a few of those things I do in survival mode. So if you do have a traumatic event, recognizing, okay, this is my survival mode. These things are not our everyday things, but we're going to do them all today. Um, yeah, and actually writing down a list of things that help you when you're struggling. Did you ever do that, Linnell, when you, I know you talked a little about maybe postpartum depression it was that you had, or 
um, just the postpartum, did you ever make a list of, okay, these are the things that help regulate me, that help me when I'm struggling? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that I wrote a list because it actually took me a little, little while. So I had a, a postpartum anxiety disorder. I had postpartum OCD. Okay. Um, okay. And so it was a lot more tricky. There was a lot mm-hmm. more going on. But I did start to learn. And eventually, yes, when I started getting the right help, then yes, there were uh, different things that I started realizing um, were helpful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the things on your list? Well, for me in recovery, well, I mean, my situation is um, in some regards a little more extreme because I, I, instead of getting, I, well, I went, and there's no comparison. Um, my situation was that I ha- ended up having to go to the hospital and I did have to go on medication mm-hmm. um, because I was spiraling and I had a bunch of things that happened that where there was a lot of up and down. So I kind Mm -hmm. of went back and forth in my healing. Um, But for me, once I was stable and the medication was really necessary for me and my part of my situation was that I was so scared to go on medication Mm-hmm. my fear level was so high of anything that could possibly make me worse. And a doctor had said early on that going on medication, I could feel worse for a while before I got better. And for mm-hmm. me, I was living through a, a hellish mental state that I felt completely um, out of control in because um, nothing was working. But so again, that was kind of the worst of the worst. Once I got on the medication and I'd had the break, what I actually needed for myself was I needed, and this is where I get emotional, but I needed time away from my children. And that was very painful. Um, yeah. And being in the hospital was God's gift to me because that's where I, my brain actually had the ability to start relaxing and that's a whole other story and and but the the self-care portion when I once I was out of the hospital and I was starting to heal and the medication was starting to help my brain to slow down um that looked like exercise it looked like yes those very basic things resting more not being um not taking on too much not um not functioning in the way that I did prior, which was trying to busy myself to avoid the thoughts, the intrusive thoughts and all of mm-hmm. that. So yeah, and and then those base, all the things that you've mentioned, um, not baths, because baths, I'm very opposite to you, <laughs> the baths, those were not comforting to me, because I was, I'm very, I'm a little bit more, it sounds like, I don't like labels, but more a little bit more neurodiverse ADHD, if you will. And so sitting in a in bath water was like, I, I need something to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At the time. So I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, a little bit. And I also am wondering, so these things that you have found that help you, do you think that if you were ever faced with ha- having the same kind of thing start to happen again, Do you think you would be able to catch it and prevent it by using those tools that you learned Mm, in the hospital and Mm -hmm. throughout? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just being really, the more specific we can be with people, not that their tools will be ours. Like you said, baths are not your tool. Um, So being able to find that wide variety of 
and hearing specific things, because sometimes we do talk very broadly. Um, I, another thing, <laughs> this is kind of jumping here to there, but I talked about some of the PTSD symptoms. I don't know if you struggled with this, but uh, also suicidal um, thoughts. So I never, ever felt like I wanted to commit suicide. And so it was hard to admit, like, I have these pictures almost of myself and uh, I didn't want them and I didn't want to have those thoughts, but they did mm. come into my mind multiple times a lot. Sure. And they're because very Because the mind upsetting. is racing, right? They're, and they're intrusive. Yeah. They're intrusive, right? They yeah. are very, yeah. And, and yeah, to, to, and then they make you feel more upset and almost guilty. Like, how am I right. thinking this? And so yeah. once I just accepted that my brain didn't know what else to do. So sometimes those were the thoughts that would pop in. Um, mm. but, but no, that wasn't something I wanted and I was going to keep no. again working on healing so that I was in a different place. Sure. Yeah. And if I can touch on that topic, um, of becoming suicidal in my scenario, just for the listeners, um, I didn't, I was actually afraid of, of dying. Um, and it was part of what propelled me into the initial panic attack that I had. And so it was more of um, the reasoning that behind my actually admitting myself to the hospital after eight months of battling this was I was afraid of becoming suicidal because I was actually getting so exhausted fighting that that that's where my head was at. And so I actually never experienced actual suicidal thoughts. But I've talked to so many women about this, and how those just come, because you, everything in your life feels like it's spiraling out of control. And you're starting to wonder, like, what's next? What is the next hard thing? And I think that's almost natural. And I hope that brings some comfort to a woman listening today who maybe is there, that it is honestly almost a natural place that your brain is going to go when you're trying to regulate, but you're also trying to figure out what's going on. Um, just just be assured that that you're not alone and you're not abnormal um, and that you need help. And, and it is important to seek that out. And it looks different, as you said, Krista, for each one of us, right? For me, medication and, and the hospital was important for me. And I'm, I praise God for what he did in my life during those weeks. Um, and for you, you were able to do it without, were you able to do it without medication? I don't know if you mentioned that or not. There was times that I took medication. Um, I was having trouble finding the right one. And um, yeah, that's a challenge yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I really do think medication can be just so helpful. And it is something that a lot of us have a lot of fear about taking. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I also think for me, I was feeling like I didn't want to be forced into different medications and different things, even when it came to trauma treatments. You know, does this line up with scripture? Um, and is, is this good for me? Is it good for my body? Um, so having some say and some choice in what medication we choose, but yes, I do think medications can be so helpful, but they can also be really scary. Mm, it is. And it's, it's the unknowns of it for people who have not taken it. And I think, again, I mean, to have doctors have to give you that 
warning. Like they, they just by protocol have to say, you know, you might feel worse before you get better. But for someone who is in the middle of the muck, the, the worst of it, and your mind is racing and you're so scared and you don't know what's going on and why you can't stop the intrusive thoughts, the thought of it getting worse is 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 a, like it's just no super overwhelming I'm not gonna go there yeah. it's overwhelming yeah. right yeah and so that's why it took me so long to actually go there um and I do think that there are a lot of cases of mental illness whether it's PTSD or anxiety disorders where pe- women and men can heal without medication I don't think it's always needed with um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Like this is huge for healing. A lot of people can um, find very successful recoveries just with the therapy alone. But, you know, I do, obviously my story is that I had to come to almost a, a surrender to the reality that my brain was malfunctioning at the level that it did need something to slow down Mm -hmm. and there were there are side effects with that right I experienced you know like my my brain just kind of slowed down more it had to for the time being and weight gain and other things and and it's not the most enjoyable but to get your life back on track and to be able to actually have a brain that is functioning well enough that you can do that work of learning uh to combat intrusive mm-hmm. lies and to get healthy again, it's worth it. Absolutely yeah. worth it. So some, yeah. of, some of the things I learned, um, medication, I think it's a serotonin, partly you mentioned exercise. So if you can exercise yes. during my worst time, I couldn't, um, I've always been somebody who's been physically active. So that was very weird for me, but I couldn't getting outside can help those chemicals in the body. So those are things we can do with medication or, you know, if we're not on meds that can help the body, um, start producing those helpful hormones. Um, Mm -hmm. so yes, Mm -hmm. when I started, when I was kind of in the worst of it and trying to look for things that could help me start healing, my goals were like, get outside for five minutes a day. And that might be sit on my front porch, walk down to the chicken coop. Cause I would start making these big goals, like go for a run or a workout. And I couldn't do that. So when I came to that humbling place of acknowledging, yeah, I have to start like super, super small. So my goal is going to be to sit on my front porch for five minutes. And I share that just as you said, if other people are in it, it's okay if all you can do is a very, very small amount. If you can find anything that you feel like is doable, if you think, yeah, I can do, maybe it's one minute, maybe it's 30 seconds, like however small you have to start with walking can be so helpful. So if you can go for a short walk, if you can get outside, hugging your kids, hugging somebody you love, that can be really helpful. And trying to eat and drink, you know, a little bit better, those kind of things along Mm -hmm. with medication, or sometimes it's successful instead of medication can be really helpful as well. And I hope, Linnell, you never feel bad for taking medication. Um, in some ways you kind of say, I have to, you know, uh, maybe just thinking I was able to take medication and it was helpful for me because yes. to, I never want to talk about medication for mental health in a way that makes it seem like a bad thing. Cause it's not, cause it's so helpful for so many. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
No, I love that. Krista, you've just been uh, such a blessing today. I'm just excited for other women to get to hear your story and to find the pieces um, that they relate to and kind of glean from all that you have offered us in terms of advice and encouragement um, and hope. And it's it's just a beautiful thing to talk with another woman who has really just walked through the very depths of, of this kind of mental illness. Um, it is so hard. And I think, again, for people who have never journeyed it before, um, I pray you never have to. And I, I really do believe, as Krista does, that there are ways to prevent um, through just staying healthy. Um, it's not a sure thing, but I think there are a lot of things that we can do. Um, I'm a firm believer that if I had had a lot of these practices in place prior to my own experience, um, I think I, I could have possibly avoided it. And I, I believe that there are a lot of things that we can do to just be healthier individuals, to support um, uh, healthier brains, minds, hearts. And so thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. Um, is there anything, is there, was there ever like a, a Bible verse or just a book of the Bible that really that the Lord used to encourage you during that time and in your healing? I think um, such a common verse, but I mentioned Psalm 23 and, you know, I felt like I was walking through the shadow of death and how he makes us lie down in green pastures and how it was a time Mm -hmm. in my, in my life where I had to be still, also be still and know that I am God because everything, my mind and my body felt like it was constantly racing, trying to find that place of peace with God and accepting kind of minimizing everything in my life that I absolutely could letting go of everything I could to a place where I felt like well I'm not contributing very much you know but Mm -hmm. um recognizing that the amount I was able to do was so little very little so yeah um be still and know that I am God you know when when things are bracing around us just to try and find that place of stillness and for the mother who's listening now, and she's right in the trenches of this, um, you've already shared so much, but do you have any final thoughts for, of encouragement for that mother who just really is is desperate to find some healing and freedom? Yeah, maybe I would just really encourage, my heart goes out to that mother, even though I don't know who she is, just having been there, my heart just goes out to them. Um, give yourself grace. And maybe sometimes we even don't know what that means. Uh, hopefully this talk today has given some ideas of, you know, you don't have to always be cooking the good meals. Your house doesn't always have to be clean. Your kids can have some screen time. Speak kind thoughts to yourself. That was something that was really hard for me to do in the beginning. And um, my therapist really was able to help me with. God doesn't want us to be degrading ourselves all the time, mm-hmm. you know, to be saying, oh, I was a horrible mom today. Oh, I didn't get anything done today. Replace those thoughts and say, I hugged my kids this morning. I told my kids I loved them. Amen. I, Amen. Yes. I'm here for my kids. You know, I'm, I'm going to do what I can do. Find something you did because I guarantee we all are doing some things. Find mm-hmm. those things you did. 
especially when you're in the trenches, especially when you're struggling to do a lot of it. Those little things and just give yourself a pat on the back. Praise yourself. Recognize them. You know, I, I fed them breakfast. Um, yeah, just be encouraged. Don't, don't let the devil just speak all those negative thoughts to you. Just say no to those and replace them with encouraging thoughts. Amen. Thank you so much for that. I really hope that this conversation today has been immensely helpful for you and that like with every episode of Knowing Motherhood, you feel equipped and encouraged. And more specifically, I hope that you're feeling more comfortable entering into this conversation of trauma-related mental health issues with other people. Krista and I shared from our own personal experiences with PTSD today. But we recognize that each experience is unique to the woman who walks through it. And we prayed together prior to this conversation that God would move mightily through our words and provide peace to those in need of it. I am so grateful that you've listened in today, and I hope you'll reach out and let us know how this episode has impacted you. Also, you may have noticed that Krista and I didn't go into any gardening tips, which some of you may have been expecting, but not to worry, that is coming up later this week as a bonus episode, so watch out for that. And um, we're going to be discussing things like growing garlic, uh, something that I clearly needed help with, as you will hear in the episode, Uh, storing potatoes, carrots, and onions, composting tips, amongst many other fun gardening-related tips. Krista has a wealth of knowledge, and she's got uh, just lots to share. So um, go and click on that follow button if you haven't yet to subscribe to Knowing Motherhood, and you'll get notifications as soon as that next episode is available. I am so thankful, like I said, for you all, and I can't wait to be back here again with you soon.